Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right, fun episode for you this week. I had Young Gun, Preston Cates on the show to help me kind of piggyback off of topics related to athlete development and the professionalization of trail running that we covered last week with Andy Wacker and the trail team. Preston first popped up on my and most people's radars with his sixth place finish at the 2021 Canyons 100K as a relatively unknown 23-year-old rocking road shoes he saved from college and a camelback with just his dad as crew. Since then, he's run his way onto a bunch of podiums, landed a pro contract to run for Nike, and recently just punched his ticket to represent the U.S. at the World Mountain Running Championships in Austria. Preston has an infectious amount of energy, both on and off the trail, and he shared some sage perspectives on life, sport, and where the two overlap that I think should register for a lot of people. But before I bring Preston on, I want to take a quick minute to tell you guys about Blister's partnership with Spot Insurance. Injuries are definitely not the first things that come to mind when we think about our favorite outdoor sports. But as many of you know, perhaps all too well in some cases, they happen from time to time. And even if you have standard insurance, the cost of your deductible and often a number of hidden fees means you're likely to get stuck with quite a hefty bill for any trip to the ER or hospital visit. That's where Spot comes in. With a Blister Plus Spot membership, you get injury insurance that covers everything from trail running to backcountry skiing to mountain biking and more. All that in addition to the benefits of being a Blister member. For more info, make sure to click on the link in the show notes. All right, and finally, I also want to remind you guys to leave us a rating or review after this conversation wraps up. Little things like that really help us continue to put out new episodes of the podcast each week. Okay, let's get right into my chat with Preston. All right, Preston, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so I wanted to have you on um, because I think your story kind of dovetails with um, some themes I've been thinking a lot about and talking a lot about on this show. Namely, like the new crop of runners coming up, like how they got into the sport, because I think that the more we we share those stories, the the more it can act as kind of like a a pathway for for other aspiring runners, because I, I don't think that there is like a, you know, direct entry point into the sport yet. And hopefully as it continues to grow, uh, we'll develop that. But I mean, you're 25, you're entering your second year running professionally for Nike Trail. So you've clearly figured something out. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of pick your brain about what you think that is. Um, but maybe let's start with uh, a little bit of, of background talk. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and then grew up there and then went to college to a division, went to college to a division two school called Western State for two years, transferred to the University of Arkansas to finish out my eligibility. And then now I am based in Flagstaff, Arizona. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of listeners... Um, to this podcast, we'll be familiar with uh, with Gunnison in that area. Uh, Blisters HQ is just up the road, so I've I've actually went down there last time I was in um, Crested Butte and checked out the new campus and stuff. Super cool. Yeah, mountain access from that area is absurd. So very commonly, people do the um, the Aspen Loop three pass loop, I believe it's called, and yeah, it's a good place for ultra runners. Yeah, what was it like growing up in Boulder? Oh, it was. So I'm so blessed to grow up there. Um, I actually was after, so after college, I was debating if I wanted to move back there or move to Flagstaff. Um, but long story short, moved to Flagstaff because I kind of wanted to like stay on that personal development train. But Boulder's a beautiful place. I actually wasn't that um, into the running world till the end of my high school career. Um, but I mean, that's where my love for the mountains started, and then being surrounded by very driven. Um, high school kids was a big part of my development. I just, that's all I knew is people were were chasing what they wanted to believe in. And so from that, so I'm blessed to be surrounded by people that, uh, that are, that are go-getters. Yeah. I know you, you wrestled in high school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that. I actually thought I was going to wrestle in college and I was going to, at a young age, I was going to the wrestling camps in Gunnison. And so at, at Western state, 
And so I was very intrigued to running or to wrestling on their program, um, but made a last minute pivot. But honestly, I don't know if I would change my upbringing very much because the mental fortitude that comes from wrestling is, I think, directly correlated to how you can compete in ultras. Um, And so I'm so blessed for that. Um, The only other potential thing I would change is maybe gymnastics or something because i mean you get a lot of body awareness with wrestling as well and so i think that helps you keep your balance on tacky stuff but but yeah wrestling is a sport that i'm even intriguing i'm even interested in how do i loop myself back into it you know oh interesting yeah i just from like personal experience i didn't wrestle but i had some friends on the wrestling team in high school in the bay area and they would like man they it was all about like cutting weight right like staying in your weight class so they would They'd consistently like run around school in like trash bags trying to get all their like sweat out. And then at lunch, they just be eating like, you know, a couple bites of salad and I'd feel so sorry for them. But I have to imagine that makes you just like so mentally tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many things about that sport that are just hilarious because I mean, it makes you mentally tough, but it also gives you a sense of gratitude. I mean, you only can eat so much during the day. You're, I, I have memories standing on the scale holding my lunch being like, Yep, this weighs exactly what it is. I can I can eat it, and so like the sa- the the satisfaction of like delaying that delayed satisfaction of waiting till after weigh ins like was very cool too. But do you think that like could have had the potential to like mess up your relationship with food? Yeah, potentially. Um, I think. I mean, I mean, because you don't you you stop eating towards your normal cycle of morning, lunch, dinner. You're eating based off of your weight so that you can compete at the most competitive weight class, right? Um, but I'm not worried about mine just because I've always leaned on the eat more than less because we're burning so many calories when we run. Totally. So, yeah, I think that's super valuable and like a really important message to, you know, repeat over and over again in like you know, kind of weight sensitive sports like ultra running. Um, I feel like it's maybe a little bit less sensitive than like road running and stuff. Cause I do think that like, you know, uh, something that's cool about our sport is like all different body shapes can excel. Um, but it, it's something I think about a little bit. Um, okay. So you wrestled in high school and then how did you get into running then? Uh, I was cutting weight for wrestling. So I got into running my dad. Had, oh, wow. Yeah. So my dad had this weird rule that he was like, you have to play two sports in high school and just to keep us out of trouble, essentially. And which I, I'm a big supporter of, honestly. Um, and, and so was the wrestling captain my junior, uh, my junior year. And then my cross country coach was like, well, this kid's obviously has pretty decent people skills. People are listening to him. It's making the cross country coach too, or cross country captain. And so that, that's when we had summer training. And once I was captain, I was like, crap, I can't dilly dally anymore. Like, I guess I have to start doing all the summer training. And that was the start. And so good enough to walk onto a D2 program and then good enough to walk onto the Arkansas program. And, and so it's kind of cool. Like I, I, I really do carry a chip on my shoulder with just bare. I like being the, the small fish in a big ocean type of scenario. So tell me about how you ended up uh, running D1 at Arkansas. Mm, um, yeah. So I, I was a cross country all American at um, Western state and my grandfather uh, lived in Arkansas. And so he went to the University of Arkansas, and so I'd visit him for family. And so it got to a point where his health was deteriorating a little bit. And so, and then just the, if you looked at all the puzzle pieces, it just made sense for me to move there, be closer with family. Um, and it was one of the most competitive universities to run. And it completely different than what I was used to. I was used to running at altitude and doing big mileage, whereas, and this is a speed program. And so we were running 400 meter repeats. I was running with some of the most competitive like runners in the world. We had recruits from Kenya. We had recruits from Great Britain and they would be running these. I have stories and stories of mile repeats of me just out the back, just learning to suffer and suffer and get through it. And then, yeah, so a lot of it was just uh, struggling with um, a like the skill set that wasn't natural for me. but when we got into the long runs, man, oh my gosh, that was a treat and a half. So, 
Did you, do you have a running background? Did you run in high school or college? No, no. So I have like, I feel like at least back when I got into the sport, um, people got into trail running either through like, I guess the more like orthodox. Yeah. Like I ran, in, I ran cross country and track in college and then hopped onto the trails or they get into it through like, oh, I just loved backpacking and like hiking and stuff. So I have a hiking background. Like I, I grew up like ultralight backpacking with my dad. And then once I got to college, kind of pursued that a little bit further, um, but was always tired of having to like carry a bunch of weight, carry like, you know, bear canisters if I was going somewhere that uh, required those, uh, as well as trying to track down backcountry permits for spending the night uh, out there. So I was like, well, if I just kind of run the route that I originally intended to do, I can sleep in my car and I don't have to worry about like entering a lottery system to get a permit. Um, so started doing that in college and it kind of just like snowballed from there. Um, and also like San Francisco and the Bay Area just has such a strong trail running community that it was kind of a natural fit once I, I found my way there. Um, so slightly different. And I always like I kind of wish I did run at least in high school just to develop a little bit of leg speed because I just get dusted on the shorter stuff. But you have the you have the most important part, which is the love of the mountains, and so yeah, no, totally. I think uh, I hiked the PCT in 2018, and that was like definitely challenged me mentally. Um, just something like of that scope, um, it kind of taught me to like always break things down into like segments, right? Like just need to get to like this road crossing or like this aid station, and I think if you do that, like you know. That that that's kind of like my secret weapon, I guess. Totally. What's yours? I mean, like well, mentally. Well, that's totally that's so valid for ultras. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that break it down in way many different ways. But to me, I like going. I don't like paying attention to data as much. I don't like looking at a watch. To me, it's like racing the competition. One aid station check. Next aid station check. Like the last thing I want to think about is metrics, in my opinion. But. Yeah, I mean, from what I've read about you, you're pretty notorious for entering aid stations and like turning them into dance parties and and uh, perpetuating the stoke. Like, do you feed off of other people's energy like that? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a huge extrovert. Like, I love I love just socializing from a very young age, like five or six. My I and mean, I have stories of my mom just being like, "All right," to my dad, "All right, take this kid away. You handle him. It's too much energy for me." And from a young age, I was uh, I was obsessed with. Um, talking to people because I thought that conversation is where knowledge lies. And so if you can get really good at asking the right questions, then you're really good at potentially advancing your life because because you're getting personal, like genuine stories from people that you wouldn't get otherwise. And to me, I like talking more than I like reading. I'm getting, I'm doing a lot more reading now, but, uh, but yeah. And so long story short, um, that's one thing. And then the other thing that I get really comfortable, which I really enjoy is that like, if you get good at communicating enough, then you can ask the questions that will get everyone intrigued and then create an environment that is just exciting to be in. And so, so something we talk about, so I work part-time for a consulting company as well. Something that we always talk about is how do you create the condi conditions to thrive? And so that is come from genuine conversation. And so, so when I'm racing, when I'm an extrovert, how do I like in, in, be receptive to the racing environment so I am like thriving and energized to go to the next spot to the next spot? Because it's so mental grueling, mentally grueling in ultras that you need to like play to your strengths for sure. Do you often have conversations with your competitors out on the course? Yes, some. Um, I try to be, I want to make it casual. I don't want to, because like I, I'm not there to play mind games with people. Like I'm there yeah. to run my best race. I want them to run their best race. And, and that's a whole nother conversation to jump down to is like, how do you, how do you have expectations to do well, but also don't have yourself with fixed expectations because that will lead to stress. And so I think some people get worried about like when you talk too much in a race, um, especially with like this last race at Lake Sonoma, when there's a world team, um, qualifier on the line, people are like, is this guy messing with me right now? And I'm so my buddy Matt and I in the race were uh, we're having a great chit chatting conversations and telling jokes and keeping it relaxed that way. But everyone else felt seemed a little bit more serious. So is that Matt Seidel? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. A another young gun. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he's um, he's popping off. He did really well at JFK, and he's his training is dialed into another level. And so it's only a matter of time until. Well, I mean, he's already on the scene, so it's only a matter of time until he gets a big win. So he already he won Lake Sonoma last year, I believe. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's the thing about like especially. 50 mile races and above like they just take so long if you're not talking to someone like it just take even longer you know totally so pass the time while you can like the first half of the race should be relatively relaxed if you're going too hard then you might put yourself in some serious danger (laughs) so so getting back to a little bit more of your background you run at arkansas then what ran at arkansas and then um applied to a graduate program in austria and so, I mean, we, we, we hit the COVID year and everyone was debating if they wanted to do another year of eligibility or not. And I already had the plans to go to Austria. And so I was just like, you know, I really enjoyed the collegiate system, but I also from a young age knew that I wanted to like my, my underlying um, path is just personal development. Like, and so traveling and living in another country was like, yeah, are you kidding me? Why not? And so really blessed for the people that helped me, uh, um guided me to the process of getting to Austria but once I got there it was covid and I was basically locked in a room for 3 months and thankfully I brought my bike and so I had some some cool international students that I met and so we had we we formed a small little like support squad and then I was just biking and running everywhere and I think that was really the catalyst for me to come back to the states and be like yeah this this environment doesn't serve me i need to come back to the states and i have a huge foundation of running fitness let's chase a contract and so what was it like over there like during COVID? like do you speak german (laughs) no i was learning german um but the austrian dialect of german is like so complicated so i was learning online because everything was shut down you couldn't go to classes yeah and so, and so I was learning on, um, babble and getting places and I could go to coffee shops and order basic drinks and stuff like that. Um, but, but didn't, I don't think I had enough of the immersion environment to really get in a good flow of it. So you moved back to Boulder? Yeah. So, so, so I moved back to Boulder. Well, first a little bit more on the, the Austria thing. Um, I mean, it was really nice though to have a break of just casual training with no expectations to race or perform. I think coming from the athletic scene or the collegiate scene, it was always like, what's the next race? What's the next race? What are we building up to? But I had four months just to run and have the joy of running for the the, the beauty of it. Um, and so anyways, then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have this foundation of fitness that I need to not need to, but I want to see my potential in the ultra running sport. My dad ran ultras growing up. And so I've crewed him on hundred mile races. He was more like middle of the pack guy. And so I got that exposure. And so, um, and so then I moved back to Boulder, um, and got, got an apartment with one of my, some of my best high school friends and got a small little marketing internship and just worked out all the time and was like, we are, we are going for this gun ho. And so yeah i think it's like super valuable to have that time after like college especially if you ran competitively in college to kind of just like chill out you know i hear so many stories of people just getting completely burnt out from their collegiate program so i think like yeah that uh that period in austria of you just kind of like running loosely probably more valuable than you think yeah no i'm i'm really fortunate for that and also like that's that's a thing that i'm trying to keep in mind with my with my nike contract as well is Yes, you can get really excited for being signed right away. And but to me still I, I want to be in the sport for 15 years. And so how totally. how do I how do I manage the um the excitement but also the longevity of my career so that I'm it's more stable. It's not spurts up and down. And so No, I mean you said earlier like it's all about like personal development. Where do you kind of get that that mindset from? Do you get that from your parents? Um yeah, I definitely get that a lot from my parents, but I think I get that from the my peers growing up in Boulder and I get that from like all my coaches. And so I think having that beginner mindset is so crucial. I mean, but also it's like, in my opinion, why would you not want to be a Renaissance man or woman? Like there's so many cool things to learn in the world. And, and, and the more you learn about different industries or different spaces, you can see the interconnectedness between them. And then you're like, Whoa, innovation lies in between that. And so Long story short, my dad was an entrepreneur 
Um, and he went to school for philosophy a little bit. Um, and, and so he, he's always just been a, been a very large role model in asking questions that keep me engaged. And then I would take those questions or I would create, curate questions of my own and just ask strangers. One of my favorite things to do is to be on planes and talk to the person right next to me. (laughs) But yeah, so. Yeah, I I feel like the first time I, you kind of crossed my map was, uh, was at canyons in 2021 when you and your dad were were kind of just showed up and just like crushed it man like you showed up in like a wearing like a camelback and like you know uh nike pegs yeah and everyone was like who's this guy in like sixth place um so i want to hear that story and kind of like the the build up to that because i I do think that in in some ways was your your big coming out party. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, I still love that race and I love how that story played out. But so when I was coming back from Austria, I had this, this burning fire in me that was basically like, dude, if you're going to make it happen, like let's have it, let's have it here. And so when I left Arkansas, funny enough, so we very, very, um, supportive, um, program. I mean, they, they, they are actually founded by Jerry Jones, like all the whole athletic department is. And so we would get new shoes every like 400 miles or so. But to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to pay for shoes after I get out. So, and I knew my body was durable and I would treat it a lot. And so I started stockpiling shoes. I'd run in them like six, seven, 800 miles. And so when I graduated, I had nine or 10 pairs of shoes. And no way. <laughs> yeah. So I had like nine or 10 pairs of these pegs and Vomeros and different stuff like that. And so I would always tell myself, I was just like, all right, you have to get a contract before these shoes run out. Don't ever buy a pair of shoes. That's your rule. Don't ever buy a pair of shoes. And so in in a way, it's a sub goal, right? So I'm like, I have this sub goal, a a goal of urgency so that I make sure I train hard and stay focused. And so I'm like, okay, running, like my pairs are starting to dwindle down. But then when I was, when I had the fire from the emotional fire of being in Austria, I was like, okay, what are we doing? come back to the States, was spending time in Boulder, was spending time in Hot Springs, Arkansas, where my parents are based now. That's where my grandfather used to live. And so did a, a 50K in like Oklahoma um, called the, the Washita Switchbacks. And no, not really any competition, pushed it, like I treated it like a, like a long run, pushed it really, really hard. And well, not like a long run, I treated it more like a marathon and pushed it really, really hard and almost bonked at the end. So that went well. First experience of the ultra, pat like done. Then I got a hundred k in Arkansas, which was um, love it hundred k. And so that was my first experience with really like long duration feeling back and forth. But the good thing though too was that I was really running by myself, so I got to stay within my comfort zone the whole time and push when I needed to, dial back when I didn't. So that ended up being a hundred k in like eight hours and twelve minutes. So pretty quick. Moving. Yeah. Um, so just over eight minute pace, which was cool. And funny enough though, I, I woke up the next couple of days, like the next day I wasn't sore. I, because I was, I was literally within my, my range. And so, which was so cool to see. And so like, I like was cautionary the first two days, flushed out my legs and then like went on an easy run and was like, this is incredible. Like, I think I can do some big things in this sport. And so then signed up for canyons, um, but sure enough, I, I didn't end up, end up having IT band and knee issues. And so I was like, well, shit, maybe I wasn't as durable as I thought. <laughs> and, um, and so then, with, this was in Boulder at the time, and so then I, 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 I stepped off the gas a little bit and was just like, okay, let's make sure my body is healthy. I'm not going to go into 100K with nagging injuries. Um, and then after some downtime, like every, all the things started coming back together. And, and so then I was like, okay, cool. I'll go race this hundred K not, not a great build at all, but Hey, I, this is, this is some of the best people in the sport. I want to see what the competition's like. I need this exposure to see how I can tweak my training to be at the top level. And so then I get into the canyons race. And the great thing about that is I had no expectations. I had freedom to to run as hard as I wanted to. And if I blew up and failed, I was like, hey, my training wasn't perfect. Who cares? And so got into it. And I was running with the top of the people like Max King and Anthony Castales and some of these other studs that were just on the top of the scene chasing these the golden tickets right after COVID when it was just peak, peak uh, um, competitiveness. And get into the race. And I remember the first like five miles I was, um, 
well, not even for, like the first two mile or maybe one mile, I was like, oh, I got to I'm a little scared. I don't want to go straight to the front. And then I was just like, dude, we are running eight minute pace. Like I can run eight minute pace for the, my whole life. Like, so let's get in front of it, get back to the like lead pack and see what's happening here. And I remember Max King was like yo-yoing up and back because I have, I think he just wanted to be away from all the madness. He didn't want to get clipped by anybody. And so then I find myself in the pack with Anthony and Cole Watson and some of these other guys. And, um, and I remember being like right off the back of it being like, okay, we're going up all these hills. I have never done this before. This is like 10,000 feet of earth. Like, this is insane. Like I'm going to walk right behind him on all the uphills to be like, oh, I'm so strategic. I'm saving a little bit of energy, whatever, every little thing I could, I could give myself. Right. And so then we get to about, um, like 20 miles or, or not like maybe 15 miles. We pass no hands bridge and we get on these ridge lines and watching the sunrise. And I'm like, dude, this is beautiful. I'm with, I'm with really cool people with genuine conversation. Cause I mean, I'm asking all the questions I want in the world. Cause I'm like, these guys are the sport. Like I need to know what right. these guys are up to. So, and so we're getting some conversation of like Max talking to Anthony and I'm trying to connect them to, to each other because they're both Solomon at the time. Um, and so, yeah. And so, and then Anthony's giving me advice on like, on fueling because i've never heard of uh um what's it called yeah one of the electrolyte drinks uh that is caffeinated but anyways i can't remember the name of it roctane maybe roctane Roctane. yeah and so anyways and so he's talking to me about it and and then we get to about forest hill and it starts cold watson makes a move and it starts splitting and I was like, oh, buddy, I am not. Nope, I'm not even I'm not going for this at all. Like there's too much going on after this race. So I scaled back. And I think that's when I first came on to Forest Hill when people were like, who is this kid with a camelback? And and Max King and Anthony were looking at me like, what are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. And I remember after the race, apparently someone came up to my dad and goes, are you like, does this kid know what he's doing? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is stupid. And my dad's like, no, we know exactly what we're doing. Like, <laughs> like, just trust us on this type of thing. And so then the second half of the race, it would, it came back to more just like, well, I was just, I it was, a, it was like a vision quest in a way. I was like, dude, I came back from Austria. Like this is, I'm racing with the best guys. If I perform here, like this will be some exposure. And so the whole time I was just like, you never know who's going to blow up. Stay in the pack. Like you're in sixth. You could be in fourth if two people blow up or DNF. Like, and then you're like potentially in a ticket range. Like that would be sick. Like, and so just try to keep it in like that over and over and over again. Um, but then dude, like the last two hours of that race is, it was brutal. Like as the last two hours of any ultra is brutal. Like you have to figure out your own mind games to stay in it. And so, but, but yeah, so I, I just remember the last, like, last 10 miles just being like dude i need to i need to see people right now i'm getting zonked but to what to what you're referencing earlier i'd go through different a stations and one was was coming through and like um these because like people like that's what that's the thing is is how do you stay receptive to the volunteers in the sport because they are so excited to be there too but they're also like a hand like a step back because they don't want to mess up anybody's races right so you have to be an activator for them to engage with their energy, in my opinion. And so when I was with them, I was like, like, yo, like, they're like, do you need anything? Do you need anything? And I was like, you know, honestly, I would just love a freaking hug right now. Like, and this person's like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. And so like, so that was super fun. And then the next aid station was like, roll up. And this is where I'm getting real spent. And I'm like, yo, can we just have like a dance party to keep things to, to, to spike the mood a little bit? So we had like a brief little like 30 second, maybe 20 second dance party. And then like, while like people are refilling my camelback because it takes longer to fill a camelback than those handhelds that you just switch out. <laughs> and, uh, and so then we go to like next stage station and then I, and then like the last stage station that was like 10 miles out or 15 miles out, I just remember sitting in this chair talking and after like three or four minutes, cause this is the furthest, like this is the hardest race I've ever done to that point. And this person was finally like, all right get out of the chair, like go. And I'm like, I don't want to, and they're like, get out of the chair. I'm like, okay, fine. And so then roll back the last 10, 15 miles. And I was like, dude, I just miss my dad right now. <laughs> cause this is like, cause this is both of our dreams. Like he's been in the sport for a while. And so, yeah. And so then I got to that, that finish line and just knew I was like, yep, I'm excited for this sport. So was he the only one crewing you? Yes, he was the only one crewing me there. So it was a, 
uh, father son mission. So father son bonding yeah. like no other. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> did did you kind of like pick up some uh, tricks from from him from his experience? Well, I think yeah, absolutely. He so he so he was a big he's a big believer in just making sure you eat enough natural food. And especially in the longer distance races, that's definitely true. You know, like, I mean, some people can get away with using goos or spring energies the whole time. And I mean, I'm a big fan of spring, like it's some sweet stuff, but like, also I'd like my body to be feeling full and having something that is more sustainable long-term. And so, and so, I mean, so now I qualified for the race in Innsbruck, Austria. And yeah, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. I'm super excited. Um, but it's, it's almost 20,000 feet of vert. And so yeah. like, and a lot more of it's going to be power hiking slash being very strategic about your energy output. And so that means nutrition has to even be even more dialed in. So, um, and so, yeah, it's good. So, so my dad has been, um, very important for like thought processes for keeping longevity in the sport and also like his insight on hundred mile races. Um, but I mean, he doesn't really have any exposure to the high level of competition that this sport has turned into now. And so now it's kind of like me trusting my intuition and then the people that I'm training with in Flagstaff and getting insight from them and then just the other mentors that I've met throughout the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that year of uh, Canyons was also, I mean, probably one of the, the deepest fields because it was coming out of COVID and like, you know, prior to that, everyone was kind of just sitting around getting really, really, really fit. Uh, which I think is like testament to to your run there. I had a question about uh, when you did move back to Boulder and you were like, okay, I want to try and make this ultra running thing like a reality. Uh, what was kind of your roadmap? What was your like thought process? Was it kind of just like, I'm just going to sign up for big races and try and, and, uh, and win? Or was it a bit more kind of involved than that? Yeah, I, I feel like there's a few layers to that. Um, I think the core was... Um, was let's keep building on my 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 NCA career fitness. Um, so, but less so on the speed side and more on the aerobic side. And so, I started building that quite a bit still. Um, and then just big mountain exploration days, like Boulder. When I was there, all I knew was running. And then there's the whole scrambling side of things. And so I got the to, flat irons. Yeah, the flat irons and hopping up on the second and being out without a rope, but because it, it's really gradual and. Um, conglomerate rock so there's a lot of places to put your feet and so i mean that was super exciting so i so my whole up like all my friends growing up like they're rock climbers they're mountain bikers they're mountaineers like and so i was just like dude i want to spend time with my friends moving around and uh and so doing a lot of that and so so the training block for um in boulder was really just let's run in the morning get it done right out of the way right out of the way and then let's bike around town and and do some hikes and climbing with my friends and so I was just spending time outside. And I think that if you're going to get to, it's going to, to get to the comp- most competitive level of the sport, it, that's what's going to, it's going to have to turn into. Because you look at Killian and he's spending four to eight hours outside almost every day. And you look at Jim and he's just outside climbing vert all the time. And so, but, but the thing is, is you have to be really conscious in my opinion or intentional about your, your build so that you won't get broken. Like, and so I think that the future is to step away from metrics of, I need to run 10 miles. It's no, it's, I want to go and explore all these crazy routes in the Grand Canyon right now, or I want to go climb these crazy mountains in the Sierras or like whatever it may be. And I'll let that be your underlying motivator so that, but, but, the, but the, on the other side, it's how do you fortify your body in a way that you can do um, these big days? And so to me, the secret is lots of different sports because I really, I love sports. So, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I had this conversation with a friend like earlier this week. I just feel like there's oftentimes like a focus on like how much volume people are putting in, in terms of like who, you know, there's a direct relationship between who, who runs the most amount of miles and like who does well at these races. And I think what that is kind of turning into on uh, at least our side of the sport is tons of injuries. Um, and I, I think what you're getting at makes so much sense. Just like training can involve running as well as like rock climbing and just like time on feet, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think maybe, you know, putting down the watch and like getting off Strava for a bit 
uh, is, a, is a good way to kind of age in the sport healthily. Mm-hmm. And also, in my opinion, like when you're when you're doing a marathon build or if you're not that I've ever done one, but if you're but if you're really focused on running volume, like it's great. You can get super, super fit, but it is so hard on your body. But also it's really hard on your mind. Like every day you have to freaking go 10 miles, two hours, whatever. Whereas in like my friend Lindsay and I just did the, like a route in, in flag yesterday that was the slabs and then down Elden Lookout. And like it was two and a half hours and we weren't even, we weren't pushing it at all. But like the, the focus of it was just catching up and having a good conversation. And so how do you do that in a way? How do you train and get quality in a way that it doesn't exert or like psychological exertion you know right do you do any kind of like mental training um so i think i think my mental training is just intertwined with a lot of my life um i think from my the part-time work i do at the consulting company like that has intertwined with it side note i'm stepping away which i'm super excited about which is going to be like straight fitness it's going to be so sick um but anyways but so it's intertwined with that like like um being client facing and, and and knowing how to be high pressured situations, but also like on the other side, I shoot a lot of pool. I love playing chess. I love playing poker. And so how do you like get really good at being at, in high stakes environment? Because like, if you're in an ultra, you have to be able to be like, wait, wait and trust your gut and be like, no, 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 I can handle this. And I think that's just exposure being into this like really competitive mindset. So, so are you going to run full time now? Yeah. Yep. So gonna run full how do you time feel, yeah how do you feel about that are you are you worried about it uh or excited I, I am so freaking stoked man like i just feel like i've had well i think there's a few things so my first year on the, with the contract it felt it still didn't feel real to me like i was like i'm a 24 25 year old kid and they just gave me a, a running contract in ultras and there's no other young kids that have the, this contract i'm just so thankful for it but also i'm like i'm like Okay, but I still want to, I still want to build personal growth in like the business world, and so I was balancing both of those and and learning on the side with reading books and doing all the other things, right? Because I feel like like I'm mean, just like Francois. Francois has his winery and his ultras. It's good to have stimulus something else. So because if you if your identity's stuck in running and it doesn't go well, then you're like, freak, dude. Like what, yeah. what? Like I'm sucking right now, right? And so so there's a lot of other. I think there are a lot of other um, hobbies of mine that will keep me balanced so I don't get overwhelmed by just the running thing. But long story short, what I'm saying though is like to me how I envision it is I feel like it's a dam of potential in the back. And then, but then I was just constantly prioritizing clients because to me how I learned business was it's the customer's always right, which is not the best case scenario to think of now. But like that's where my focus was, is making sure they're happy. So I didn't have the, the, I didn't have the, I could just go to the Grand Canyon every day I wanted to. And so now I'm like, dude, I can just get in my car and drive and, and camp at wherever I want and just run wherever I want for four days. Like, are you kidding me? Like now I feel like I'm really living the dream. And so I'm so stoked on it. So that's awesome. Yeah. How did the, the Nike contract kind of come about? Yeah. Um, so after Canyons, Pat, the athlete manager at the time, he's no longer in, in that role. Um, he just messaged me on Instagram and goes and, and was like, Hey, I'm like, are you interested in some trying out some shoes? And I was like, you freaking bet your butt. I want to try out some shoes. Are you kidding me? So he gave me some shoes and I ran them for a little bit and just like kind of played uh hands, hands back ball on his court. I didn't want to be like too aggressive because I was just like, Hey, if he wants me as an athlete, he'll, he'll, he'll make that known. And so, so then I just kept racing and I ran, um, after canyons, I went directly after that race and was talking to Anthony and some, and Max saying about the Solomon accelerator camp. And so, so I got invited to that, which I was super cool too. met some beautiful people there and got to learn about the team. I met Courtney there, uh, DeWalter and, um, we just messed around in Moab for a while. And so then, so that kind of like was in the, in my path a little bit. Then I went. I won that race, which was a small, just like low key 20 mile race, won that. And then the, from that race, they gave me a free ticket to Lake Sonoma. And so then led that whole race till mile 45 and the heat killed me because it was in September that year. And I just like zombie walked my way in and 
Um, Mario ran a really strategic race with the heat and won that. And so, so then I just was still slowly showing up that I was consistent over and over and over again. And so test these shoes for a little bit. And then I got a race in Fayetteville. So the University of Arkansas, is, Northwest Arkansas is Fayetteville. And so I raced a 50K, which was put on by Spartan and end up racing an old Nike teammate, Ryan Miller, um, and ended up winning that. And I think that was the final point to be like, all right, like we should give this guy a shot. And so, and so then once I got on the, I got on some phone calls with Pat and I told him straight up, I was like, dude, like I, I love all this interest. This is great, but I have no interest in just the gear deal. Like if I'm going to come into this sport, I know the sport's growing. I'm educated in that. This sport's going to go and do some really big things, but I want like I want to be compensated for it because I want I'm going to train hard. Like I'm spending my life in this for 15 years. Like so, and I think he he heard the tenacity in my voice, and he was like, you know what? Like let's do it. So so he I'm I'm still super thankful for that now, and so now I'm now I'm a 25 year old kid with a Nike running contract. Yeah. <laughs> so a year a year in, how's it been? How are like the shoes? How's the support been? Like, I I gotta imagine you know tone the line with that swoosh on your chest has got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it does. It does feel really good. Um, I'm I'm so excited for it. Like the the shoes at first when I was running them, I was like, dude, I don't like some of these. Like, well, like some of them were were, were a little rubbish in my opinion. Um, but then the team has been so. Um, there's been so much agency behind the team. Like I'm testing out some of the new like Zagamas right now and they're, they're getting and they're listening to my feedback and they're listening to the other athletes feedback. And we're actually getting them set up so that they can be great mountain shoes. And then they can be great fast Western state shoes as well. And so the shoes like the, I ran this last race in the ultra flies and they're super sick shoe. Like they're going to come out later this summer. And then once people get their hands on it, they're going to realize how freaking fast and sweet they are. Um, but yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's it's so cool like they are they are giving me the opportunity to accelerate my development in this sport and um and then some of the athletes are on the team they're all just very humble and low-key and they just put in the work and so it's really cool to be a part of some people on the team that care less about um like there's no social media requirements like i can just focus on my training and the priority is to be in competitive races and so I had some shitty races out in Europe when I was doing like some of the golden trail stuff. Cause it just like international travel and learning that, but like they were still supportive and they're like, they're just hands off. Like we trust you that you're going to get there. And that's giving you space to develop is a very important thing. Totally. What's your relationship like with uh, social media? I, it's a love hate relationship for sure. Um, I like using it for, um, for guidelining my personal development so that people can read it at some point and be like, okay, this kid went from being a regular kid in Boulder to, to, to walking onto this program to walking onto this program. And now he has a contract and I'm still trying to, 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 to follow that train of improvement. And so I like it to be that. And, but also it's one of the most toxic spaces in the, in the world. Like, how do you go into a space and it's, it's, it's mind controlling people so that they don't actually live their lives. And so, uh, Elon and I actually had a conversation about, are you, do you have more of a presence on the internet or do you have more of a presence in person? And so it's kind of hard to be both, you know? And so I personally, like when I go and train, I hate ringing my phone. Like I want to just absorb what it is because I feel like there's an underline of experience of, of places. If you are just presently there. Um, and so if I have content that needs to go up there, then I'll post it. Um, but that's like not really a top of my mind at all. But I also think it's important for me to be on it some, because at some point in my life, I think that, um, I think that I can have, like, I, I'd love to work in, in, in volunteer in, in high school spaces. And so, so them seeing that path could be beneficial. So totally. And I think like, you know, scouring your page uh, ahead of this conversation, I just picked up on how like authentic you are, you know, and you're not like oversaturating your content with like, you know, selfies of yourself. Every post is intentional and has like a valuable takeaway that you've learned. And I think like people recognize that, right? Like it's pretty easy to see people that are just like posting to post and like, you know, no free ads and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think you're on the, you're the right track there. Yeah. I mean, 
I the 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 dream would kind of do, be doing it like Claire Gallagher does it, right? Yeah. And so she just has an Instagram, but she, everything's on her blog, and so which is super cool. And she's just speaking in depthness of the things she cares about. And so I I I'd like to do that too, but um, yeah, it's just it's it's one thing at a time, you know. So right, and I think that's the the issue with Instagram, right? Is like Instagram is for like, you know, kind of like simple carbohydrate type information that can be conveyed in like a picture picture. Whereas like if you want to get more philosophical and and um focus on like sharing your message, I think like a a blog type space uh makes more sense. And yeah, I mean Claire, that was a really good example because I think she's doing it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so and when you meet Claire in person, I haven't met her in person, but I was on a run with Drew Holman and she's in Boulder and Drew was like, dude, she's like the queen. She's just so excited about life all the time. And like, that's because she's dialed in on life. Like she's living her life, not, not worried about how other people are perceiving her. And so, which is sick. So. Yeah. Drew Holman, another uh, Nike teammate of yours. Um, I know him decently well through some mutual friends. And uh, I'm curious what you've picked up from him. Cause he is, in my opinion, kind of at the pinnacle of our sport right now. Yeah, dude, Drew is going to do big things in this sport. He already has done big things, but he's like, yeah. he, and he's even like changing his approach right now on how he, so, so he can evolve into his next form. And so I think that like, we're getting to the point where he's going to be competing with maybe potentially the best U.S. runner and the best U.S. runner, if not on the scale as Killian, who knows. And so, but the thing what's cool about Drew is he's just so calm and collected. Like he he and I, I think I have some of the same trait in myself with him, but like you really want everyone to compete to your best, but if but if their best is better than you, then so be it. Like there's no there's no like angst about that. And so he's really grown into who he is as a person. And because of that, his ultra running career is just like it's just another day. It's just like, you know what, I just need to do my best and and be who I am. And and so yeah, and I think it's just now it's cool because I actually get to go and run on a world team with him, and so yeah. Yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about that? Uh, you came in third at the Lake Sonoma Fifty just a couple of weeks ago. How'd that race go for you? And uh, how are you thinking about the uh, World Mountain Running Championships in uh, Innsbruck coming up? Um, well, first, first and foremost, the the biggest elephant in the room for for Innsbruck is it's a lot of vert. It's like. 6,000 meters and so now my brain's just like go to the canyon go down up down up like let's get vert fit and so but in terms of the lake sonoma race um i was super happy about it um people were asking me if i felt ready um and i was listening to one of the podcasts that you have with courtney and you asked her a question about her training and i leaned to the same side as courtney is i don't i don't track my metrics very much anymore um and so people were like oh well i've been running enough i mean i could probably have ran more but like to me i just felt like i was at the right place at the right time and my head was in the right zone and so i was like no i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna try to run a world's team and i'm gonna try to make a world's team and if it happens i'm freaking stoked on it and if it doesn't then that is what it is and so and so gun goes off and we're we're pack of 20 going out in the race and um pretty together through 15 miles where they built where Haroldsburg running company built this freaking crazy wonky dock bridge to to make sure we could cross this 12 foot deep river that usually is like not there (laughs) um and so then we're ripping through these uh beautiful california trails and usually people call it california carpet but it was so muddy this year it was definitely not carpet (laughs) um yeah Oh man, that course must have been absolutely like waterlogged this year with all the rain California's getting. Yeah, the storms cra- are crazy right now. Like the mountains have more snow than I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. So yeah. I saw that you're signed up for uh, Broken Arrow this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it might be might be a pretty snowy course this year. Yeah, no, for real. I'll I'll uh, I'll withdraw my entry there because of Worlds now. But uh, right. But yeah, I had that just in case. Um, because I heard such great things about the race last year. Um, yeah. But to keep on the thread of the race, um, ran with Zach 
Perrin, a guy, a CU guy, and then Drew about halfway. And so they were all spent time in Boulder. So I was just like, look at this. We're all freaking Boulder kids like running and um, got to halfway flip. So I running back and they kept pursuing it pretty aggressively. And I scaled back my output because I knew we had a long way to go. <laughs> and then it got to like mile 35 and I think everybody knew they were suffering. And so then it was a game of who can stay in it mentally, who can make sure they, they stay on top of their nutrition and just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And so then we're going into like the last aid station, which was 10 miles out or whatever it may be. And, um, and it was Drew, um, it was Drew, Caleb Olson, and then it was myself and this North Face guy named Trey. And... And so we, so he left right before me at that station and I'm like chugging a ginger ale and I'm like, oh gosh, this thing tastes amazing. I need to get out there though. We got to get after this guy. And, um, people that were running the marathon distance were coming the opposite direction and they were like, okay, you're in fourth right now. You're in fourth. And so, but they kept telling me when I was in fourth when I, after I passed Trey. And so I passed Trey and like for a long time. And so when I thought I was in fourth, I was actually, I thought I was actually in fifth. And so I was just one place off. And so we, so I passed Trey thinking I was going into fourth and my brain just went immediately like, we're hunting this guy down for third place. Like we need to get this third place. And so from that 10 miles out for the next six miles, I was pushing. I was like, where is this guy? Where is this guy? We got to go get this guy. And so I was just like, like not saving too much left in the tank. Cause I was like, what's the point? There's nothing else. There's no reason to save anything. And so we come down this little divot um, and I see Caleb in his yellow shirt coming up the other side. And I thought he's third and I'm like, Oh buddy, like I can get this guy. And I think he's probably like about two minutes in front of me and just like cross this river, go down, cross the river, cross and pop up the other side. I'm like, okay, don't kill yourself on this uphill. Keep going, keep going. And then finally, like after six miles, I'm like, dude, I'm not catching this guy. Like what the heck? I am running so hard right now and I'm still not catching this guy. And so then it turns into like survival mode. Cause I'm like, I got to get off this trail. Usually I'm like surrounded by a beautiful environment. I'm like, this is so beautiful. But today, but that, but after I almost broke myself on that hard six mile push, I was like, dude, this is a death jungle. People are going to be falling off on the edge here. Like just like sleeping on the side of the trail. Like this is brutal. And so then I'm just like thinking in my head, like, okay, I've climbed out of the Canyon dead before. Like I can get out of this. I can get out of this. And so I get out finally off the trail onto the road. And if you look at my Strava splits, like that last bit on the trail were significantly slower because mentally I was like, I lost it. I'm not going to Worlds. And so like my underlying motivation kind of dropped a little bit. And so then it just got to a part of like, this sucks. And so, so then I had like probably two or three minutes of wasted time because I was just my own like soggy, like whatever, this sucks type of thing. But then I was still like, we still got to get to the finish. So I get to this random cooler stop where the road starts and I pull up and this guy's like, what do you need? And I'm like, I don't know, like water, sugar, like electric, anything, man. Like, can I just fill up a bottle? And he's like, I'm filling up a bottle. And I, and I just like open my heart to him. I'm like, dude, I wanted third so bad. Like why? Like, I can't believe I didn't get, I thought I was going to get it, man. And he's like, dude, you're in third. There's only two guys that passed you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you are in third right now. And I'm like, huh? And so I'm like, yeah, you got to go. I'm like, I got to go, dude. And so then you would think it would be like this exciting emotion of like, dude, you're going. But then I had just two miles of panic. Like, I need to get to the finish line. Like, I don't know what's going on. So That's an incredible story. Yeah, and we should clarify that uh, the top three uh, finishers got a bid to the uh, world mountain running championships uh, in Austria, which is why third place was a huge deal because the spots also like don't roll down or anything like that. And so crossed the finish line and was just, was just so relieved. I was like, sweet. Like some of those finish line pictures are hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were brutal. You look like you just ran like 50 miles or something. (laughs) Yeah. Just a few miles. Like, yeah, Do you know what they call that course? Death by a thousand cuts. Yep. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Did it kind of live up to that? Yeah, hundred percent. This year more than the last, let's say, or the two years prior. Have you ran the course? I've run up there. I haven't run the fifty. Uh, I think the poison oak kind of scared me away. 
that course is notorious for just getting like you know a, a death jungle of poison oak yeah as as you would say yeah have, um, you, have you done some ultras yeah yeah i haven't like raced a ton uh in the past couple years just because of some like chronic injuries and stuff uh but i've done like broken arrow um some local races in the bay area uh i'm kind of more into like fast packing and like big mountain runs um that aren't necessarily like organized or anything but i think if i'm feeling good this year i might might uh throw my name in the hat for for a 50 miler somewhere yeah but um, there's a there's a race that i would highly recommend you look into uh it's called the quad dipsy which i've i've talked about a bunch on this show um but it's in mill valley california and it's essentially four laps of the dipsy trail which is the oldest trail race uh in the u.s and it's like 28 miles with almost 10k avert and just a hell of a time mm. Yeah, I so when I went out to Way Too Cooler this year, I stayed with Elon and just a friend, you know, and um, and coincidentally, I got invited to the the video premiere of like of the Dipsy. So I got to like sit in the back of that skate shop, surf shop, and just watch the history of it. And I am so attracted to it. Like you guys have, a yeah, it's sweet, another race you should run, man. Yeah, the Dipsy. Yeah, you guys have a freaking sick community out there. So that's cool. Yeah uh aside from uh world mountain running champs what else you got on the uh race calendar this year yeah um that's priority now um then i have some interest and in, i don't know if you've heard the uh there's like a a hawaii 50 mile race that has a big, oh yeah big prize purse so i think in I'm, like Kauai. yeah in Kauai. and yeah. so i think i might pop into there uh there's a lot of like moving logistics with that and so but like i mean it it's it seems like it's going to run similar to JFK, and so that treats my suits or my strengths very well. And so I think I'm intrigued by that, and then I'll take that 50 miler, and I'm intrigued of using that as a building block to run Run Rabbit Run in Steamboat because I want to do a hundo at some point. And so, hell yeah, mm-hmm. we also got to get you back at Western. Yeah, yeah, for real. That's a that's a big interest. Um, I was just a little less attracted to with all the recoursing with canyons and. Yeah. And so like what's which is sad to see that the course got hit so hard, but um and all the people that were affected by it too, but um it'll be back and running soon enough. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too is like if you want to run western states, you kind of have to dedicate like entire years to like trying to qualify. And like the sport's so cool cuz there's so much to do. Having like a singular focus can, can zap some of the joy out of out of things for some people. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I, I tried to run, like qualify at Black Canyon the year prior, and it just didn't go very well. Like desert running is very different than mountain running, and uh, and so like that was my intention to try to get back to Western State, and just it was a flop. And so then I was like, okay, let's loop back it maybe next year, and then this is just where I am. So before I get you out of here, I got one question for you. One more question for you. Um, I was on a long run yesterday with some friends, and we got to talking. And the hypothetical is thrown out that if you are like completely bonked on a bike ride, like 80 miles in, uh, and you roll up to a gas station, what are you getting in that gas station? <laughs> oh, buddy. I, two thoughts come to mind immediately. Snickers bars or mutter butters? You know what mutter butters are? I What's a mutter butter? I, I know called, what a nutter butter is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but it's like, uh, you know, the Chex mix with like white chocolate and it's like. Yeah. yeah 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 oh it's it's like a, it's it's like dirty chex mix it's just a bunch of sugar in chex mix and okay that sounds like a peanut butter yeah all that stuff so yep that's probably the best if there was ice cream in a gas station maybe <laughs> so yeah there'd be ice there'd be ice cream man like a big old drumstick not not a drumstick guy but like like Dude, you give me a Ben and Jerry's tub and I'm going ham on a Ben and Jerry's tub for sure. <laughs> That's a great answer. That's What's a yours? great answer. Oh man. Yeah, I guess I had a lot of time to think about it yesterday. Um, <laughs> but I'm probably going kettle chips for like the salt. And I would go with uh like sea salt and vinegar. And then I'm I'm with you on the Snickers bars. Like those things have magical properties. Uh and then gas station pizza if it's available i'm a sucker for that and probably like some type of 
like soda, but in like a glass bottle with like the cane sugar, like the bougie soda. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe some chocolate milk, depending on how hot it is outside. Dude, you're having a four course meal right now. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, I'm like, it's gonna be like an affair for sure. Yeah, totally. But I like there's so many factors though, like weather, like how much more riding I have left. But when I'm on my bike, I can pretty much like eat just about anything. So, uh, yeah, the gas station pizza would would sit well, I think. Maybe not <laughs> if I was out on a run. Yeah, that's the truth. All right, Preston. Well, this has been uh, super fun and, and thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on and looking forward to hearing how your, your uh, interviewing progresses as well. Thanks, man. Take care. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Preston for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.